Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. Uh, this week I'm reposting an interview that I had done uh, with Morris Sussex Sports, and I enjoy my experience so much on their show that I wanted to post it here for you guys too. I feel this episode is a good measure of my personal growth over the last three years uh, from serving as host of this podcast and absorbing the wisdom taught by my guests. One of the questions I was asked in this interview was, what would you say to your 17-year-old self? I gave this question some more thought after I began putting this post together because I don't think I would have actually listened to me or anyone at that age. So I thought of a way to phrase it that may have penetrated my extremely thick skull. No pun intended. That phrase is, treat your body like you treat your car. A few months ago, I leased a new truck. Before getting this truck, I had only ever had one vehicle, and that was a 2005 Toyota 4Runner that has been with me throughout all the ups and downs uh, my injury in life has dealt me. I wanted to share some pictures, uh, which I included in my blog post, which you can find at headsandtails.org backslash podcast backslash 133. Uh... The first picture is from 2007, and it was taken by my mother on a Friday morning before what it was, I'm guessing, our first game of the season in my senior year, playing for the Westmore Central Wolfpack. Uh, In this picture, there's no smile. I'm wearing a backwards hat and black socks because I thought they made me look more athletic, uh, exuding what I thought was toughness at the time. However, This definition of toughness with a focus on physicality and masculinity was a fleeting bar to base my self-worth on, which came to bite me in the butt later on. There was always someone who was going to be bigger, stronger, faster, and more athletic than me. Unfortunately, I was willing to lay it all out on the line to prove the impossible, which was that I was the toughest guy on the field. Who was I trying to prove this to? Why did I care? I still can't quite answer that, but I know the quest cut my football career much shorter than anticipated. The second picture in the blog post is a picture that was taken just a few months ago. Uh, with It was my last hurrah with my, my forerunner before I picked up my new truck at the Ford dealer. This is the same vehicle I stood in front of 11 years earlier, just with a different license plate, a lot cleaner windows, and about 140,000 extra miles. This is also the same guy standing in front of the car, just with a few more battle scars, longer hair, and an eyeglass prescription. However, thanks to the wisdom I gained from my podcast guests and a fully developed frontal lobe, I measure my self-worth much differently today than I did in the first picture. Toughness is actually a lot like buying a new car. There will always be cars that are bigger, faster, flashier, or more more luxurious than yours. Unfortunately, you can't control what other people choose to buy or modify on their cars. The only thing you can control is how you take care of and drive your your vehicle. If I took care of my own body like I took care of my forerunner over the last 11 years, there's no doubt I would have played college football. I regularly changed the oil, didn't drive aggressively, gave it a rest for a couple years in college, and washed all the salt off during the harsh New Jersey winters. When something was feeling off with the car, I always addressed it. If all athletes treated their bodies like they did their cars, I'm sure they could add at least 11 years onto their careers too. We all know a squirrel lover or two swerve all over the road to miss their furry little friend. I think the risk of swerving outweighs the benefit of missing the squirrel in most cases, but 
I hope people attempt to avoid deer and other large animals that cross their paths because of the destruction it can do to both your vehicle and the animal. If I treated my body like I did my car, I would have done anything I could to avoid contact. However, I took the opposite approach and tried to hit everything in sight because I thought it made me tough. That mentality when translated to behind the wheel is like seeing the biggest deer in the history of all deer and driving your vehicle right into it. Who would do that? The major difference between a car and your body is that cars are replaceable, your life and body aren't. What good is a broken Ferrari anyway? What good are you to your team when you're hurt? Treat your body like the asset that it is. You're only given one brain, heart, set of shoulders, and knees. How long they last is up to you. I traded my Forerunner in for a Ford F-150. Ford's slogan for their line of trucks is built for tough for their reputation of being long-lasting and dependable. It doesn't matter what car or truck you buy, if you beat the crap out of it and don't take care of it, it's not going to be long-lasting or dependable. Prove your toughness through your dependability. There's only one way to do that, and it's by taking care of yourself. You control your toughness. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode uh, as much as I did recording it. And it's really, even if you've heard my story before, this is a much more in-depth analysis of my story and kind of my transition to life after football and really an all-encompassing episode of what I've learned uh, to date. So I hope you guys enjoy it. This week on Heads and Tails, the roles are reversed, and I am interviewed by Morris Sussex Sports. I always had this, like, toughness complex to me. Like, I was fullback linebacker. I was most known for, like, running dudes over. <laughs> I didn't have, like, shifty moves. I wasn't going to bring up the sideline, but, like, if you try to tackle me, I was going to try to run you over. And how, big, was, how big were you as a senior? I was, like, six foot 205. Really? Yeah, okay. I was, like, I was yeah. pretty big. Yep. And that was my identity. Like, that's – my team got pumped up when I did that. My coaches got pumped up. And it kind of, like, changed the dynamics of the game, when, like, when I made a big hit on offense. So I kind of embraced that role to a fault, as we will eventually see. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Morris Sussex Sports Podcast. I'm your host, George Buha. Today, I have in store for you an unbelievable, a riveting interview with Kevin Som, former running back, star football player from West Morris Central, played baseball and football. His last season was in 2007, and now he's also now he's the host and founder and uh, CEO of of Heads and Tails, the Heads and Tails podcast, where he interviews a lot of athletes who have overcome injuries and 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 trials in their lives that and 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 have done wonderful things with their lives. Kevin Kevin has an unbelievable story, and it's all about. Uh, an injury that he had on the football field in 2007. He had he suffered from second impact syndrome, which was basically his second concussion within a week in a short period of time, where he 
He literally almost died on the football field. He was airlifted uh, off of Westmore Essentials football field and had uh, ultimately was given a really a 50-50 chance of living that night. And uh, and we he talks through all that story about the concussion and what he went through. And it's a great story about being self-aware, being aware of concussions in this day and age and um, and taking the precautionary measures once that happens but Kevin's story is really more than that I mean his his story was really uh after that concussion he had a devastating he he got down and got down and depressed and had a hard time finding his identity and uh really from that experience developed heads and tails and has connected and touched so many people through his through his podcast and through this uh tragic incident uh could have been could have been i mean it was tragic in itself but it could have been a lot worse and uh kevin is a great guy he's a friend of mine and a friend to a lot of people in morris sussex so i know a lot of people are going to be anxious to hear this so about high school sports in morris sussex and parts of warren county all right and we're live here with kevin Som. Kevin, you ready to scare the hell out of my audience? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm honored to to be on the the, the podcast, considering I've only won seven varsity games in my uh, football career. But I kn- it's an it's an honor to be here. Yeah. I know, barely an athlete. I mean, uh, it's amazing <laughs> we're even have a conversation here. It's true. <laughs> well, hey, man, you know this is kind of a controversial uh, controversial topic: For- uh, concussions, right? Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, one that, at least when I was playing in 2007, people weren't really even talking about it. And it's come a long way in the 10 years since then, or I guess now 11 years. Uh, but, yeah, even when I try to go talk to schools in the area, it's not really welcomed with open arms, to to say the least. Um, but I think we're making progress. I think people are starting to take it more seriously. I, I think so, too. And, and one of the reasons uh, I think it's good – for me, it's a little controversial too. I, I just have, but I, I, I feel like it's my responsibility as kind of a, a media entity in the area that covers high school sports. That like we got to talk about it. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm glad you brought me in here because I'm not someone who like hates football and thinks that no kid should play football. And I know in the media today, there I mean, there's talks of banning tackle football before the age of 14 and a lot of states are like mandating you know that like in law so I'm not really for that to be completely honest with you Um, I don't think football was the reason for my injury I think it was more so the mentality that I had as a invincible 17 year old uh, that kind of led to the severity of my injury at least and do I think that there's things that football as a sport can change culturally to make it a more a safe environment, especially when it comes to head injuries, 100%. Um, I think that's why you had me here today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen you in settings. Like, do you think it's kind of weird? Do you think, like, people see you coming, like, like I would say, like, football coaches and try to hide from you kind of thing? <laughs> um, in some ways, but that kind of upsets me and, in, in, you know – in some to some capacity as well because like that's not my intention like I don't mean to be like the guy who is trying to like put a bad name to football like I love football more than anything I always have since the time I was seven years old and my best memories come from playing football and the reason why I want to share my story 
is to prevent other kids from making the same dumb mistake that I made when I was in high school because it was preventable. So that mm. that's the reason why I want to share my story. It's not to scare people to not play the sport in total. Like there's risk to everything. Um, and there's risk in football, but there's also a lot to gain from playing football. And I think that football definitely added some characteristics to me that I value and I can carry with me for the rest of my life. So I want other people to have that opportunity as well. Absolutely. And I know you, and that's the main reason why I wanted to bring you on because this topic of concussions is a serious one. It's a scary one and nobody can talk to this better than you. And I seen you in, like, when you got the award from the national football foundation, I saw a couple coaches kind of, talking to you and be like, Hey, you're not going to talk about concussions. Are you? <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, and I, you know what I, it's almost like you said, like, I hope people don't think that, but, um, you know, you were such an athlete, like you were such a warrior on the field. And the fact that you, uh, you know, had this injury and, and, uh, you know, I know that's not your intention. Like you were like, Hey, I, you know, now like, you're. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the, that warrior mentality is kind of what did me in, in the long run. You know, mm-hmm. and even after my head injury, like I hurt other injuries trying to remain active. I had other injuries trying to stay re- active, you know, after that, that I eventually hurt myself too. Just feel like that same mentality of like suck it up and keep going. And, you know, that's kind of what my message is today is like try to, you know, that doesn't really mean you're tough or not tough. So, yep. And and from your podcast, that message comes clear, man. And you're doing a fantastic job interviewing a lot of people. And uh, Thanks. even me, like I'm just a, kind of a weekend warrior, but I've learned to uh, from just listening to your podcast. Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be driving to the hoop on uh, you know some 22 year old guy, you know, or just make sure you warm up for 45 minutes before you do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm better off not taking that drive. <laughs> not that I ever could beat anybody anyway, but. <laughs> But anyhow, okay. Let's 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 get into the story. All right. You know, because it's a great story, um, and it's uh, and it's a story that takes us. You know, I know the story is going to take us down, but the fact that all the things that you're, you know, we're probably going to take the audience to a suspenseful point. I know we are, but we're gonna we're gonna pull them out and uh, yeah. talk about all the cool things that you've done since then. Um, so, like when you were you grew up in uh, Long Valley. Yep. And when you were growing up, did you play? Did you play all sports? Yeah. So. I started playing football when I was seven, uh, flag football, like with the Long Valley Raiders. Uh, But I played ice hockey growing up, baseball, lacrosse, soccer, basketball, everything pretty much except for wrestling. That was like the only sport I never tried. Uh, But, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and when you were in Long Valley, you know, football specifically, like, you know, I – I'm a little older than you. I went to Hanover Park, and we used to play. We used to play with the Wolfpack, uh, West Morris, and and they it was just like they were, they could tell they like it was like Pennsylvania. They bleed bleed football. There's something about it, and like I remember, you know, in Long Valley Raiders, we would always have like practice on Friday nights because usually you played on Saturday or Sunday, so we would have like a little walk through practice before. But all the kids would bring their jerseys, and then after practice, everyone would go to the football game at West Morris uh, for the home games. And there's just something about that environment, like on a Friday night, under the lights. And I remember like vivid memories of like the team walking out of the locker room, you know, walking towards the stadium through the tunnel. I'm like, I want to be that guy one day. And like the guys walking out to the coin toss and like, I just always picture myself doing that. So, 
So when you're like in eighth grade, you're like, hey, now I'm going to be able to put on the uh, the wolf helmet. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like in Longview Raiders, you wear like green and yellow. Those are the colors. Yeah. So like when you get to the high school, you're like, oh, awesome. Like I get to wear that, you know, navy and Columbia blue with the wolf head. And like it's cool. As a freshman, you don't get a wolf head on your helmet. You have to wait until you're on varsity. Is that true? At least that's how it was when I was there. So like you, there's always something that you're trying to like get and like live up to that dream that you painted for yourself when you were seven is that right yeah see when you're a freshman you don't get to put that on your helmet no yeah we, i mean we had blank helmets yeah is that right Just white helmets yeah <laughs> i like that though it's cool yeah it makes you earn it yep and uh and you know the coaching staff's been there forever I mean, yeah there's tons of tradition at yep. westmore's football and like when i was growing up the success of the team they made the playoffs every year bunch of state championships so like i saw that success and like you want to be it's something that you want to be a part of and when you were like in eighth grade freshman year were you like the featured back or were you a part of the part of the backfield i mean in my grade yeah i was always like a running back and i feel like i was one of the better athletes i i had good instincts as a young football player i didn't necessarily like know the x's and o's but like i kind of like knew where the ball was going or i felt like i knew that so i kind of relied on that early on and that's kind of just kind of where I I loved hitting people too, so that also helped. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I had success as a a young athlete before I got to Westmore's. And when so you played freshman football, and then when you were a sophomore, did you did you play varsity at all? Yeah, I actually started at linebacker uh, my sophomore year after a couple injuries to some guys who were older than me. Uh, one I think one guy hurt his shoulder, another guy had a concussion, and that kind of opened up a inside linebacker spot I was just like the next option but I found success out there I think just because I was relying on I had good football instincts that I could just run around out there like my freaking hair was on fire and just get after it and I would make plays and I remember my first game on varsity against Livingston I led the team in tackles with like 14 tackles is that a right? sophomore yeah so I'm I'm just saying like it had nothing to do with like knowing the scheme or knowing what I was doing like it was just getting after it and running around <laughs> and just like making tackles yeah really yeah and I I think I was like the second leading tackler on the team my sophomore year oh my god so I don't know yeah I found early success but that's all it took was a couple injuries I had my shot and I just made the best of that opportunity and I because I was only expecting I was hoping to like make a couple special teams like kick off and punt return and stuff like that uh but it ended up being more than i even anticipated wow and were you like uh you know you're like what are you six two now i'm like six foot yeah i I was like on the bigger side for like a 14 year old i was probably 5 11 175 you were as a sophomore yeah okay that's that's a big that's a big kid yeah um but I was still, I still got thrown around out there a little bit against some of the the bigger boys. <laughs> Did you really? Oh yeah. Did you have like a welcome to the uh, varsity football moment? Oh yeah, I remember uh, we were playing Morristown at Morristown my sophomore year, and I just remember getting absolutely pummeled like multiple <laughs> occasions. Like guys would run me out like a pulling guard, just like absolutely deplete me, and then like step on my hand afterwards, and like <laughs> it was just like a brutal game. But there was multiple instances. It wasn't all like. Rainbows and butterflies out there making tackles. It was like, get your ass kicked a few times, then make a play, and then, yeah. Really? It was, part, it was partially survival, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was George Bass, was he – did you play against him? Do you remember yeah, him? Yeah, he was he – was, I think he was my age or a year older. But, yeah, yeah. I did play against George. I remember yeah. him burning me up the sideline for a touchdown <laughs> my junior year. I was trying to keep, like, inside-out leverage going up the sideline on him. Yeah. And 
he was just like so much faster than me that it didn't matter what kind of leverage I had on him. He was like, oh, okay, you're going to try to stay inside. So he's like zipped up the sideline. like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so you pl- so did you get – did you play? So what game did you play sophomore year? Like from what game was that? From game one. Game one? Oh. Game one all the way through the season. Yeah. Okay. And did um, – We weren't very good. We were like – we finished the season three and seven. But, yeah, I mean, I had some good games. Okay. Yeah. And then junior comes like, all right, I'm on this, I'm on the team. So uh, did you pl- start to play offense? Yeah. Well, we had this kid on our team, Nate Anderson, my sophomore year. Oh who yeah. Was a guy I always looked up to. He was a fullback, big, real big dude, like six two, two twenty, just like big guy. And he was the fullback his senior year. So when he left, I was kind of like pinned as the next guy to replace him because I had played fullback growing up. Was he? He was a grade above you. He was two grades above me. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm going into my junior year. He had graduated. Okay. And I always love running the ball. Like yeah. anyone who's ever touched the ball, like that's you never want to go back. It's just too much fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just started at fullback in Rover my uh, my junior year. Mm-hmm. I had pretty good success offensively um, my junior year. I think I kind of because I was more experienced. I think I almost got away from that instinct and I started thinking too much like on defense. Oh, really? Yeah, I just like didn't I never had the same like I don't know, fire. Like I was more Def- like worried about making a mistake on defense. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think it's cuz like when you learn more of the scheme and you know like what you should be doing versus just like reacting, you know, like it kind of slows you down a step and I think that worked against me, but huh. When you run the ball, you're dictating the pace of the the game, so that's kind of what I enjoyed about it. You enjoy the running the ball a little bit better, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you were that you 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 filled in for Nate your your junior year. Yep. And what did junior year look like for you we guys? We finished the season four and six. I think we we lost a tough one to Morris Knowles, uh, that would have got us into the playoffs had we won. But we played like a constellation game and everything. Actually, at that Knowles game, I tapped out at like the end of the game we were winning I think I'm not saying this is why we lost but I think we we're winning towards the end of the game and I got like bruised ribs like trying to make a tackle and I took myself out of the game because I thought I had like broken ribs like it, it hurt pretty bad yeah uh turns out they weren't <laughs> but that was something that I just like never lived down for myself at least I like I thought that was an opportunity for us to make the playoffs and I felt like I kind of wussed out a little bit at, in my 16 year old head this oh, is talking okay. yeah yeah uh so going into my next my senior year I'm playing with guys like Bernstein and Barnes and Carfaro and Mike Burton had young Michael Burton young Michael Burton had put himself on the scene um my junior year at linebacker funny story his first play on varsity as a freshman at that point uh he caused a fumble on defense they put him at linebacker First play, caused a fumble, and we got the ball. I'm like, this kid's unreal. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So he's always he's always had it. And for and for you know, it's funny people like for people listening to this, they, like now he plays for the Chicago Bears, yeah. fullback. Yeah. Uh, there's always something about Mike that there's something different about that kid. You just knew that he was like destined for even as a freshman sophomore. Yeah, I mean, I would drive him home from practice every day, and like me and him would after workouts. We would stay late and, like, go for a run or do sprints or something like that, just me and him, and then we'd go home. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, I spent some time with, with Mike, but there's – for a, a, such a young kid, like, he just got it. He knew he had to work, and he 
put the time in and did what he had to do. And he had the talent, obviously, too, so that helps. But Yeah. Yeah. So your so you're senior year, he's on the team. Is he in the backfield? Yeah. So okay. he's, like, probably the f- – at that point, he's not really the feature back yet, but he's, like, making a name for himself. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want me to get into my story, and I'll kind of interject with Burton. Yeah, no, no, yeah, man, like we're just getting that. We're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's so, get into it. My senior year, I always had this, like, toughness complex to me. Like, I was fullback linebacker. I was most known for, like, running dudes over. <laughs> I didn't have, like, shifty moves. I wasn't going to bring up the sideline. But, like, if you try to tackle me, I was going to try to run you over. And how, was, big, how big were you as a senior? I was, like, six foot 205. Really? Yeah, okay. I was, like, I was yeah. pretty big. Yep. And that was my identity. Like, that's – my team got pumped up when I did that. My coaches got pumped up. And it kind of, like, changed the dynamics of the game, when, like, when I made a big hit on offense. So I kind of embraced that role to a fault, as we will eventually see. Yep. Um, so our first game was against Randolph High School. They had this kid named Frank Beltre. Oh, yeah. He's he's still in the NFL, I think. Or, I'm not or, sure if he or, is. Or Canada. Or, I think he's – Yeah. Okay. Maybe Randolph, maybe he just stopped. But. Yeah, Randolph always had a good team. But I ended up like – I had really bad cramps all the time, like muscle cramps. Oh, really? I sweat. I used to like sweat a ton, I think. I just like – no matter how much I hydrated, I like couldn't not cramp in those first few games. Mm. That happens to a lot of kids at the beginning because it's hot out. You yeah. Know? So I ended up like pulling my hamstring because of that. Uh, oh really? Yeah, like the next Monday, I, we like I like didn't stretch enough or something to warm up for our little walkthrough, and I pulled my hamstring just like running. <laughs> so going into our next game was uh, Roxbury. So I had a pulled hamstring. It was like not terrible, so I I played with it, and really at that point, I, I kind of want to back up a yeah, second, go ahead. just to kind of talk about my mentality and just kind of leads into the story. But my freshman year, I broke my collarbone. And I always kind of f- had these injuries, and I always felt like I was never tough enough, or like by getting hurt, it made me weak, or you know, in some way, shape, or form. So, going back to my senior year, we're playing against Roxbury, which is the same team I broke my collarbone against on the same field, and I try to run over this linebacker on one play, and I separate my shoulder. Oh, my gosh. So I thought that I broke my collarbone because it felt the same. It was killing me. It, was, it hurt really bad. But uh, and first thing that came to mind, I'm like, I'm not coming out of this game. Senior <laughs> year, linebacker, fullback, captain, like, I'm not coming out. So I kept playing, and I really changed. I couldn't hit anymore. Like, that was what I did. Like, I, I hit people, and I was, like, avoiding contact and trying to, like, block with my butt. Like, I just didn't want to hit because my shoulder hurt me so bad. <laughs> So anyway, we ended up losing that game to a tough one. And uh, you remember John Carroll? Yeah. He had this, like, epic stiff arm in this game that, like, <laughs> will go down in infamy for <laughs> Morris County football. But I, I know Coach Henley always, unfortunately, remembers that who, one. Who did he stiff arm? I wanted this guy on our team. I don't want to oh, call yeah, him yeah, out. Okay. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we lost that game. So then next, the next week we played Livingston. And – we had beat Livingston pretty good the year before, and I'm like, all right, this is like we're 0-2 at this point. So going into Livingston, uh, I'm like, all right, this is kind of where we can like turn our season around or everything. Like obviously my hopes are to win a state championship. That's what I, it's what every kid wants to do. So that's what I'm thinking about. So in this game, I have the bad shoulder. My hamstring's not really an issue anymore. 
But at one point during the game, I try to run a kid over again, and I, like, just collide heads, like, helmet to helmet, like, just headbutt each other. And I didn't really have any symptoms at the time. I actually finished the game, and I was fine. But the following day, we would uh, run around the track before we watched film, and it felt like my brain was, like, bouncing inside my head. It was, like, the worst headache I've ever had in my entire life. And I thought, I've had headaches after games before, so I didn't really think much of it. But the problem with this one was that it didn't get better. Hmm. So, like, Monday rolls around, still the same. Tuesday rolls around, still the same. And, like, guys are getting on me because I'm not hitting in practice. I'm avoiding contact. because my head hurts so bad. Huh. Uh, but this is also 2007 where people didn't really talk about concussions the way they do today. So I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, well, I didn't get knocked unconscious. I was not throwing up. I remember everything from the game. Like, I just have a headache. So you had I a constant headache that just wasn't going. Constant away. headache. It was terrible. Like, I, I can't even describe the severity of it because, like, it's <laughs> unlike anything else I've ever had. So it was just a really bad headache. However, that was a symptom that I had a concussion. But because I'm in this like toughness captain, fullback, linebacker, I'm gonna run you over mentality. I'm not going to tell coach that I'm not playing this weekend, especially because we're 0-3. If we don't win this next game, there's zero shot of us making the playoffs. And I am unfortunately part of the only three varsity West Morris teams to not make the playoffs under Coach Henley Is that to this day. For those three years. Three years in a row. Those are the only years. The three years I was on varsity, the only three years that he didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know if there's something to be said about that. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway – the headache doesn't go away, but we go into the next game. Are they, do the coaches know you have a headache? No, because I don't tell them. Okay. I, I don't tell them. I didn't tell my athletic trainer. The only person I told was my mom. But she was in Florida on a business trip, and she couldn't keep me from playing. So that's why. I, was she like, maybe you shouldn't play? Or well, she, yeah. She's like, well, you, you know, I, I read this People Magazine article about this guy, um, this high school football player who played with a concussion, and he died from something called second impact syndrome. I was like. No, I think I have a science infection. <laughs> Not even kidding. Like, my exact words. So. Oh, oh my God. Going into this. She, she literally had that conversation with yeah. you? Oh, my God. Like, days before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And she read the article, like, on the plane to Florida where wow. she was had a business trip. So did that put anything in your head, or you just were like, "Nope, I'm not, I'm not going to." I didn't to think it. anything was wrong. I really did. I oh, was really? talking myself out of thinking something was wrong. But Friday rolls around. We're, so it's game four, we're playing Knowles, 0-3. Head's still killing me. We're walking around the track at gym class as, like, our warm-up and for for gym. And I remember telling my friends, I'm like, I'm definitely going to die tonight because <laughs> my head hurts me so bad. Like, those words came out of my mouth. So I knew something was more seriously wrong than – Whatever. Are these your teammates that you said that to? No, it was just, like just random kids girls. in your yeah, okay. got kids in my class, yeah. So they didn't say anything. Yeah. Um so I take four Advil before the game that night and just kinda like hope for the best. Like uh-huh. I don't really think of I don't think anything's gonna happen to me though. Like in my head I'm not like you know, something bad's gonna happen. I'm just like I just wanna win, score touchdowns and like well, when you're young too, like I remember in high school, like I I felt so invincible. I yeah. remember that feeling. You like, never, you never, th- and especially in football, like you can't have any fear, you know, like or you're not going to be as effective. But we'll get into it later. But mm-hmm. there's a mentality that I I hope can be adopted into youth sports that just makes it a little more acceptable to tap out a little bit. But mm-hmm. so 
in this game, uh, I we're, we're driving into the end zone like early in the game, like end the first quarter. Okay. And I run the ball. We're like probably ten yards away from the end zone, and I dive to reach out towards the end zone. I'm probably like a yard away. So as I'm in the air, a defender um, t- tries to tackle me and goes helmet to helmet right to the side of my head. So when I get up, I kind of have some blurred vision. But if anyone who's listening has played a Friday night game at West Morris, fog is usually a factor. Right. So in this particular game, it was like you couldn't even see 10 feet in front of you, how bad the fog was. Oh, really? So I kind of talked myself out of the vision thing, being like, well, it's really foggy. I probably sweat my eyes. I'm fine. And I'm a yard away from the end zone, so I want to score a freaking touchdown. So next play, I get the ball, and I score. So I'm, like, excited and everything, whatever. So I think the next series I was playing safety because I was so banged up. I wasn't playing linebacker anymore. Like, I was trying – the coaches were trying to help me out, like, not to get hit every play. And I missed a tackle that led to a touchdown. And I was like, all right, well, I got to make up for this, like, mistake that I made. So we're going – this is, like, going into halftime almost, like, probably five minutes before halftime. I'm running the ball. And I get hit, like, almost as soon as I touch the ball. Like, I get hit, the ball handed off to me. The yeah. guy's wrapped around my legs. So I'm going down. As I'm going down, another defender comes in right from my head. Like, I remember seeing this white shoulder pad coming right from my face. So he makes contact with my head. And then because I was so close to the ground, my head makes contact with the ground. Mm. So I get up to see why the ref didn't throw a flag for, like, unnecessary roughness or a late hit. Because I thought it was, like, the sec- I was already basically down, and the guy just kind of went in there to, like, finish me off. Okay, yeah. I think I ran him over earlier in the game. I think I might have, like, <laughs> embarrassed him a little. Okay. And he was like, it was like a retaliation. Yeah. But anyway, when I get up, I couldn't feel my legs. From the waist down, it was like rubber. And at that point, I knew something was seriously wrong. So my friends – so I go back to the huddle with my buddies – and I'm just telling them, like, my brain hurts and I can't feel my legs. My brain hurts and I can't feel my legs, like, over and over and over again. Oh, my God. So, they was that help. conscious? Was that a con- – do you remember saying Yeah, that? I remember saying that, yeah. And was I that, sh- was that like, a conscious way of, like, asking for help? Like, guys, I need help. I'm in trouble. Yeah, because honestly, like, if they didn't help me to the sideline, I probably would have tried to still play the next play. Because, like, that's just the mentality that I had. Like, going into my senior year, I wanted to win a state championship and I wanted people to think that I was tough quote-unquote, like, more than anything in the world. That's all I cared about. Mm. So, to me, coming off, unless I was coming off in a stretcher, like, was that was the only way I was going to come off. So, my buddies helped me to the sideline. And because of my cramping history, everyone thought that I had cramps. And I was, like, walking funny. So, people thought I was just had leg cramps. Mm. But when I got to the sideline, I told our athletic trainer, Suzanne, that – my brain hurts and I can't feel my legs. My brain hurts and I can't feel my legs. And she, there were some doctors on the sideline that took a look at me. They're like, oh, let me, let me take a look at them. So when they took a look at me, Suzanne took kind of like a step back and got like a different perspective. And she noticed that I had a gaze towards the right side. So with her background as an EMT, she had seen car accidents and stuff and people with brain bleeds that she knew that I had a bleed. Hmm. So she called for a helicopter immediately and the doctors kind of looked at her like what the hell are you doing like he's talking to us and stuff like i didn't recognize my dad who was on the field like i i was really? out, hey i was out of it yeah i was getting sick and stuff so she called for a helicopter and basically as soon as she called for a helicopter 
I collapsed on the sideline, had a grand mal seizure, I stopped breathing, and they transported me in the ambulance that was on site to Palmer Field, which is like five minutes away from the high school. Okay. And that's where a helicopter picked me up. Mm. So on the way there, I was unconscious. I was seizing for 15 minutes straight. What, what was, is a grand mal seizure? It's basically like a full body. Your full body is convulsing. Ugh. Um, but the reason why all this was happening was because I was suffering from something called second impact syndrome. So second impact syndrome is it's generally a fatal injury. It only happens to kids under the age of like 24 where their brains aren't fully developed yet. Mm. I don't know if they know the reason why that is. I don't know if it just makes it more vulnerable to, you know, injury or whatever, but the fatality rate is usually like 50%. Huh. It's, it's a rare thing. I don't want people to think that like it happens frequently, mm. probably like 12, not to diminish the severity of it, but like probably 12 kids a year it happens to. And I was one of them. 12 football players or just kids? K- kids in general. Okay. Generally football, but like I've heard of it in hockey and Soccer. rugby and yeah, I've heard some female athletes it happening too, too. So, mm-hmm. um, so basically when you second impact syndrome is when you have a concussion and you are still symptomatic. So my symptom was a, a headache. Yeah. And before those symptoms resolve and that concussion heals, you get another hit to the head. It doesn't even need to be a hit to the head. It could be a hit to the body. Some sort of like jostling of your brain can kind of set off this like cascade of chemical reactions that causes your brain to swell uncontrollably. Mm. And not to be like graphic, but like the reason why kids die from this injury is because your brain swells so much that it like cuts off your brainstem. So you stop breathing, which is kind of like what was happening to me at that moment. So as I'm getting that that hit in the the Livingston game where you got your head rattled, that was the first concussion. No, the first concussion was in, did you say Livingston? Well, the game, the game before. Yeah. In Livingston, that was my first concussion, which was seven days before my second impact syndrome experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard of it happening like weeks after like kids get like clear from a concussion and they're like a month out and like it can happen. Is that right? Yeah. Um, but they might not be being honest, like saying they might still have symptoms and be telling people that they're fine. Yeah. That's the thing with concussions. Like only you know, like how you feel. Mm. No one can tell you like, yeah, you're not right. You know, I mean, they can, but like at the end of the day, it's your word against theirs. So, yeah. So they transport me in the, in the ambulance. And at that point, Suzanne later told me that like, she didn't think that I was going to survive oh based off of how I was presenting. Really? But when I got to the helicopter, all of a sudden I snapped out of it. Like, my seizure stopped, and, like, I remember this, like, vividly. Like, I remember having the bag valve mask over my mouth, which was what Suzanne was using to, like, breathe for me because I wasn't breathing on my own. Oh, my God. I remember pushing it away because I thought it was, like, going against my breathing pattern. It was, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. So when I did that, Suzanne was like, Kevin, you know who I am? I'm like, yeah, uh, Miss Barba. We all call her Miss Barba. Yeah. Uh, I said, like, some goofy voice because I'm just, like, a weirdo at heart. So <laughs> I guess that was my natural instinct. Yeah. But So you're, like, kind of goofing around almost, and you're strapped to a helicopter. Yeah, I don't really know, like, what's going on. But yeah, I remember getting in the helicopter and then, like, asking me a bunch of questions. But I was, like, so tired. I, like, I just asked him if I could sleep. Because when you have a grandma seizure, it's like running a marathon in, like, 15 minutes. Like, oh, right. You're just uh, – Your whole body is, like – contracting like you're it's so much exertion that 
it's like running a marathon. Is that is that true? Like, is that the, re- the statement that they say? Yeah, I've heard that. Really? It's like compared to the exertional, yeah, like how much energy you exert on those. But so in your mind, even though you're tired, you're like, holy cow, I'm in a freaking helicopter, and I honestly don't really remember the helicopter that much. Really? Yeah, like I remember them asking me like if I'm if I have any allergies. I'm like I knew the answer in my head, but I didn't have the energy to like vocalize it. Oh really? Yeah, it's like weird. Huh. Um all I asked was could I fall asleep because I was just so tired. And what did they say? They said yeah. Oh, they did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I don't think I did, but then when we get to the hospital, I'm like cognitively fine. Like I could talk to people. I remember the play that I got hurt on. I remember everything from the game. The only thing I don't remember is that 15-minute time span of, like, where I was unconscious. Huh. So when I get to the hospital, they don't even really believe that I had a seizure, that I have the injury that they think that they were told that I had, like a, a brain injury, because I was so cognitively aware of what's going on. Because hmm. most people in those situations are not like that. So... They bring me in for a CAT scan. Is Mrs. Barba hanging with you guys, with you the whole time? No. Or? So she was in. She was with me in the ambulance, but then she went back to the game to. Oh. She still had to cover the game because if someone else got hurt, she mm. she had to be there. Yeah. She came after the game was over huh. to kind of like put all the pieces, the missing pieces together. Help the doctor. Help the doctors yeah. out, to like because she was there the whole time, so yeah. she knows. Uh, but when they looked at my CAT scan. They saw that I had two brain bleeds and my brain was swollen. Holy cow. So they told my parents I had a 50% chance of making it through the night. Oh, my God. Uh, Was your mom home from the uh, business trip? She was actually in the air when all this was happening. Oh, no. So she, like, turns her phone on, gets a text message, like, oh, Kevin scored a touchdown. And, like, oh, yeah, everyone's like – and then she had, like, 8,000 missed calls, like, texts and stuff like that. I know um, one of my dad's friends, Mr. Harmon, who was one of my coaches growing up, Drove my dad to the hospital and like, because it, it was a lot to handle. Because my dad was right there when I collapsed and had a seizure. He was on the sideline. He witnessed the whole thing. Yeah. So, they had some some help and my mom had like the limo driver bring her to the hospital. So she came and I remember her coming in the the door asking me how I was doing. And I just told her I'm like, yeah, it was like a dirty hit. At the time, I thought it was dirty. It might not have been or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they had told her that they didn't know if I was gonna survive through the night so she walks in there knowing that i don't know that no one ever told me that until after the fact oh really yeah i didn't know i thought i mean i knew it was serious i got lifted in a helicopter and i'm in intensive care and there's a lot of doctors <laughs> frantically you know walking around me so i know it's not good but i didn't think i was gonna die <laughs> uh so long story short i guess i a couple of days later they were hoping that the bleed on my brain was going to kind of like go away on its own because I was cognitively still fine. They're like, well, we don't want to drill into this kid's head if you don't have to. Oh. But unfortunately, the, actually, the pressure on my brain actually increased over the next couple of days. So they had to do surgery. So they had to perform a craniotomy. And as I'm getting wheeled into surgery, the doctor literally told me that I would never set foot on a full field again. And like... <laughs> Go ahead, bro. I get choked up still thinking about it. Mm, God, man. <laughs> because at that time, it's all I care about. Now it's like my whole identity. Yeah. And in that moment, he it was just taken all away. And that's the reason why I'm here today to try to tell my story, 
to prevent other athletes from getting that same message from a doctor. Like, that, this all could have been prevented. Like, had I sat out a week for my shoulder, like, this is my whole theory. I stopped hitting with my shoulders because I hurt both of them. And because I had to separate shoulder, and then I eventually hurt the other shoulder because I was favoring that one. And then I had nothing else to hit with but my head. <laughs> it's, as dumb as it sounds, like, I swear to God, that's why it happened. So had I sat out, you know, a week or two for that shoulder to get myself healed up and, like, back to 100% health, I could have played another four, six, seven, who knows what could have happened. At least six games left in the season, you know? Yep. And because I chose not to do that, I was told I could never play for the rest of my life. I played four games my senior year, and then I was told that you can never play again. So Was that even in your mind, Kevin, before he said that? Were you not even thinking that? You're like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, I'll be – did you think you were going to be like – I was so fixated on people thinking that – wanting people to think that I was tough. I was just out there to survive. Like – I I was not I wasn't the player that I was because I was so banged up like I couldn't perform optimally because I was so hurt I was just so banged up I couldn't play like the player that I was and you thought you were fixated with that image of yeah I was more worried about what I what other people thought about me mm. than actually like slowing things down and be like all right like if I and obviously I didn't think this was going to happen to me so right you know if I sit this game out, what is this going to buy me later? And I think that's all kids, not football players, not all kids. They, they're so fixated on the here and now mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't think about the repercussions, you know, down the road. So, I don't know. Dude, you tell this story great. I've seen – I've heard you tell it a bunch of times, and uh, the fact that you get emotional is just uh, – Makes it so real, Kev, you know? <laughs> well, it hurts, you know? Like, it, to this day, it's still, like, a terrible memory of, like, being told the, the, what you love the most and what you really, at that time, I, my whole self-worth was so wrapped up in football. And then at that second, it was ripped right out from under me. And it's like, well, who the hell is Kevin Sign without football? Did you think, like, when you were in high senior, like, you were going to play in college? And oh, stuff? yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I had some. So I was in ICU for five days after my uh, surgery. Went back home another five days later. And the day I got home, I had a voicemail on my cell phone from one of the coaches at University of Albany saying he wants to start the recruiting process. And, like, one of the hardest phone calls I had to make was to call him and say, hey, like, thanks for your interest, but. I just like destroyed my brain and now I can't play football anymore. So, oh man. Sorry, like move on. He at least had the decency to call me back. I think I like left him a message and he like said he was like sorry and stuff, but Really? Yeah, my dream was to play at Lehigh. That was like my goal. <laughs> There's a kid Rusty Campion that played at uh West Morris. Okay, yeah. Uh very successful guy. Started as a linebacker sophomore year and I was trying to like kind of follow in his footsteps. Yep. I went to a camp at Lehigh. My junior year, going into my senior year, did really well. Loved it. Didn't really quite have to grade the SAT scores to get in there. But <laughs> I thought I was hoping football might help me get in. Uh, but, yeah, it didn't quite quite work out. So so when you were in the hospital, you never left the hospital. You were there. They said, like, we're going to monitor you, and then it started to swell, and then they did the – I mean, it was already swollen. It just, like, was actually 
the pressure was actually getting worse. My symptoms were getting worse. I was continuing to get sick. I was like vomiting all the time. Oh. Uh, it just like wasn't good. And it's kind of complicated. I have like these arachnoid cysts in my brain. A lot of people have them. Like you're, they don't know if you're born with them or they're like, they develop over time or whatever. But either way, my brain has these cysts. There's like sacks of fluid. But the problem with my bleed, one of my bleeds was that it was pooling by the cyst and it wasn't going anywhere. Mm. So that's why they had to go in and like take care of it because it wasn't going to take care of itself ever. Oh, really? Yeah. So they had to, had to do it. So they kind of crack open your skull, right, to relieve the pressure, and then yeah, I have a like I have a hole the size of a quarter in my head right now. Um, you can't really tell. You used to be able to tell more, uh, like when, it, when I first had the surgery. But like a month after I got from the home from the hospital, I wake up and my head is like really swollen, like way more swollen than it was like when I went to bed, basically. Okay. And that's because I had an infection from the surgery. Oh. So at this time, I was, like, trying to start working out again. I lost 30 pounds in the hospital, and I'm, like, oh my trying to be this big 205-pound, you know, linebacker with muscles and stuff. And now I get home, I weigh 165 pounds. You know, I, I, I'm, like, a shell of, like, what I used to be. So I'm, like, trying to get that back. I started working out too much. I pushed too hard too soon, I think, to the point where my body's, like, hey, like, we have a brain injury we're trying to recover from here. <laughs> and, like, you know, cut it out with the working out and killing yourself. <clears throat> You know, with with that stuff, so I had I had to have another surgery. So they used a bone flap in the first surgery, and that's what got infected. Okay. So they had to go in again, take the bone flap out, and that's why I just have a hole in my head now. Is that right? Yeah. Well, they said that the risk of surgery like far outweighed the risk of anything happening because I have a hole in my head. Uh, so that's just why it is the way it is today. So do you have to be a little protective of that or not really? I mean, I always wear a helmet, but, like, I drive in a car without a helmet, so <laughs> I think it's <laughs> – I think I'm all right. And like since then, like muscle and stuff is like built up around that area. So like you can't even really tell. But like when I first had it happen, I could like if I looked in the mirror, I could see my pulse. Like oh really? In my yeah, the side oh, of my head man. was like freaky. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay. So I had that infection. And then I actually had I was allergic to the antibiotics they gave me for that infection. So I had to go to the hospital again because I had like head to toe hives. Every joint in my body was swollen. I had something called serum sickness. Oh, really? It was, like, really bad. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so I just, like, couldn't catch a break, like, for those first few months or whatever. Yeah. But I actually ended up playing baseball my senior year. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a temporary distraction to the mental demons that were would, would later come of not being able to play football anymore. Yeah. So what? I'm curious about that. And just by the way, I, I remember when that injury happened, when that thing, you know, when you got airlifted. I don't know if it was a text because I was covering football at the time. And uh, I recall either it was on the, the forums or something like, say, some kid got airlifted from uh, – or Kevin Som got air, airlifted from uh, the field. You're like, oh, no. Like, that's not good. It's never good, yeah. No, yeah. And I just remember, like, thinking about you. And then when you started playing football, uh, baseball that spring, I just was like, ah, oh, man, that's – it's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, I actually like, played pretty decent considering <laughs> everything that happened, like, in the months prior to that. Um, I had, like, a week where I hit, like, three home runs in a week, and Joe Hoffman, like, wrote some, like, comeback story article about oh, really? me in the Daily Record. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, like, the highlight, I guess, of my baseball season. But Yeah. So, anyhow, you get through high school, and then you, you talked about those demons. like Yeah, so I didn't have football anymore. I didn't have baseball anymore. I was, like... Kevin Som, not an athlete. 
and I didn't know who Kevin Som outside an athlete was because that's all I focused my energy towards and you know, that's how I identify myself. So Yeah, you were like this jock of all jocks, you know, captain of the football team yeah. and uh weightlifting, two oh five, you know. Yeah, freaking meathead. Yeah. Yeah, right. All that stuff. Yeah. And so, now you're like Mr. Uh I don't know what. That was the problem. So I went to Rutgers and I like joined the crew team because my grandmother had mentioned that that might be an, an option and everyone takes their athletic career advice from their grand their grandmas. <laughs> but I tried it. Uh, and it just like didn't do it for me. It wasn't like walking out on a Friday night at West Morris. So, and that team had had a lot of success that year after me. That was Bernston's senior year. Oh, oh the West Morris. Oh yeah, yeah West yeah. Morris senior year. So yep. they had a lot of success that season. And I'd be lying if I if I told you that it didn't freaking crush me that they were having success without me. Is that right? Because to me it was like the same team, just like without me. But now they're That's right. killing it. That was a young team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I played with all those guys. I And, you know, I hung out with that grade almost more than I did with my own grade. So I, it hurt. Mm. You know, I, I can remember calling my mom in my dorm, like, crying. Because I was, like, so upset that not – I wasn't upset that they were succeeding. Like, I was happy for my friends. Yeah. I was upset that I was no longer – a football player. I was upset of how my senior year went and how I never made the playoffs. And I was, was woe was me. I was just like having a giant freaking pity party mm. and I couldn't get out of it. I'm telling you, like I, I, I was like not clinically depressed, but like I was not happy for four five, six years. <laughs> after that. I'm not even kidding. Like you laugh, but like it, it took like a really long time to figure out like, I had some distractions. Like I worked for the football team when I was at Rutgers and it was cool getting to hang out with Burton and see his career progress there. Yeah. But at the same time, I was almost trying to like hold on to any bit of football identity that I still had. Mm. So I'm like Kevin Son, the kid who works for the football team, you know, it's like as close as I can get to, you know, playing football. So eventually I graduated from Rutgers. I'm no longer on the football team anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I go to grad school and stuff and work at the NFL Player Association trying to, like, work on some health and safety stuff. And, you know, nothing just did it for me. And it wasn't – I'm like, I can't be the only one who feels this way, you know? Yeah. Like, athletes get hurt all the time. They have career-ending injuries. You retire from sports. Like, this happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. and I, I always felt like I was so alone, even though I knew there were other people out there. So, I'm like, I'm going to create a platform – for athletes to share their stories of perseverance, of injury, illness, obstacle, whatever, and to be a voice for athletes who weren't as lucky as I was to have survived like such a bad injury, mm -hmm. um, to prevent others from going through that. So I wanted to help the people who are struggling like I was, and I wanted to prevent athletes who hopefully are listening to this from making the same mistake that I made. Because to me, there were some decisions I could have made differently that we wouldn't even be talking about this today had it, you know. Right. Had I just taken care of myself and, like, spoken up when I was. You would have went to Lehigh and had a great time and then, like, naturally kind of be like, yeah. all right, I'm I mean, retire. I'm not I'm not saying that, like, I'm, I love that I'm friends with you and, like, my life went down a path that obviously wouldn't have gone down had I not gotten hurt. So I'm not saying, I re like, I regret that. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I, I wish I could still play football. 
you know, like even to this day, I'm 28. And like, I still wish I could, I still have dreams about playing football. Like I'll wake up <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. I'm like, that wasn't real, you know? So to me, like I want kids to play as long as they can. Yeah. So there's and, something about that sport. Even after I was in high school, I was working at a restaurant and I was in college and I lived in Persephone with my sister across from Persephone high school. Yeah. And the bartender at the, restaurant was like this older guy he was single you know hung out with all the young kids and stuff you know and i'm like i was dead serious i'm like i'm thinking about forging a a driver's license enrolling at parsippany <laughs> high school you'll be my dad and just so i could play one more and i'm and i wasn't even good i can't imagine being yeah. like well that's why yeah. they, that's why they write songs about it <laughs> yeah you know right. what i mean like there's this something about football and like it's funny to like, yeah, you're talking about games you played in, you know, 10 years ago. Like, yo, sweet, dude. Like, get a life. But I know. everyone does that. I know. I know. Well, yeah. I created a freaking media company because I can't hang it up. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> there's something about it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, these are awesome memories that, like, make you happy when you think about them. You know? And obviously not my injury, but, like, playing football. Like, I loved it. I still do. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, and you know what? So many people have the same thing. And so then you, when did you start um, Heads and Tails? You went to grad school? Yeah, I went to grad school and I applied for a couple of jobs that didn't really quite work out, partially because of my openness of talking about my injury and stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make my own thing. So I made, I listened to a bunch of other podcasts. I'm like, I want to make one about like sports injuries and like overcoming that stuff. So that's how I kind of started it. Um, but it was partially a reason to like heal myself, like to seek answers to help my own and like help hmm. my own mental psyche and fight the demons that were going on in my head. Like thinking that I'm not good enough, I'm not tough enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. And just try to like, you know, through conversations, learn skills and pick up things along the way or different ideas of like how to approach things. And it's, it just kind of started with actually st my first interview that I did was with my coach from when I was a youth football player, Lou Van Orsky. He coaches at Mendham now, actually. Oh, he does? Yeah. And I don't know, he had like a pacemaker when he – he got a pacemaker put in when he was in high school. Yeah. He was like passing out all the time. And he like went – he still played. He was able to play and stuff like that. But that was really? like my first interview. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I just started with that and just kind of like went from there. Is and that just, right? Yeah. It all started like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to a lot of your podcasts and stuff. And I and uh, what I love about them is that you really don't even have to be an athlete. It's really about kind of – all of them seem to have the same message. Even your own story is like there's a point where you kind of have to, you know, change in your life. Even if it's – even if you're not an athlete. I wasn't much of an athlete. But I had to – there was a – I remember in my early 20s I had a hard time like kind of growing up. And at one time, I'm like, I just have to grow up, and it was hard, you know. You like, you're, you're, you, it's like, uh, you kind of get out of, you both burst out of your uh, butterflies, yeah, uh, whatever cocoon, and right. it's painful. And some people never do that. Like some people are still, you know, they never kind of mature, or they never get kicked out of the parents' nest or whatever. But anyhow, your thing is just to me. That's what I always kind of get out of it. And you know, some of these stories are very, they're so dramatic. But in the end, though, like, there's this, like, growth that happens with a lot of these subjects. Is that kind yeah, of... Yeah, and, like, unfortunately, I feel like it takes instances that are somewhat serious sometimes to kind of be, like, your wake-up call, you know? Mm. Like, I had the head injury, and 
that should have been a lesson, but in a lot of ways, I still carried the same mentality into like my CrossFit weightlifting and stuff. I eventually like hurt my knee because I just like don't know when enough is enough. And like when something's bothering me to like pull back and like, you know, I've learned now the hard way multiple times. And now I realize like, all right, some things just like aren't worth it. Mm. It's tough when you're 17 though. Cause like everything's worth it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I know it is. Yeah. So you think, but. And what about like some of this, like the interviews um, that you've done? You've done how many inter- how many people have you interviewed so far? So I'll be at 130 episodes this weekend. So most of those are interviews. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's like probably a few here and there that are just like random stuff that I did. And is is there is there is there certain ones that kind of stick out more than others? I mean, the most downloaded episodes that I've had are this guy Johnny Owens. He's like a physical therapist and he kind of founded this like blood flow restriction device that helps athletes and um, veterans in their rehabilitation. Uh, Is that the, like the tourniquet kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, it's pretty much like a tourniquet. It's, it's more sophisticated than that, but it basically allows you to like tax your muscle as though you have a heavy load like on the muscle. Like if you're like doing heavy squats, except you could do it with this with like body weight and like have the same muscle fatigue. Coincidentally, I just was at a, a ATC uh, training event last night, just randomly, and uh, there was guys from Philadelphia Eagles there, and they were demonstrating that, yeah. that device. I mean, I've used it personally with my knee, and it's been amazing. Like, I had great uh, outcomes from, from using it. So I would – anyone with, like, a knee injury, they have it for your arms too, so like elbow or stuff, like, it's – I would recommend it. Yeah. Okay. So that guy – because of his innovation, is that why he was the most downloaded, do you think? Um, it could be. Like, he's, like, definitely the guy in that world. So probably when people Google Johnny Owens, like, they come across his interview with me and listen to it. Yeah. And then the other one is Bella Picard. Yep. Yeah, she's, like, a softball player. That was a great interview. Had a spinal cord injury uh, from diving into second base. Uh, head first. Yeah, she was. She was a college athlete. She yeah, St. Actually, Joe's. Yeah, she was actually paralyzed right from the neck down. Um, or partially paralyzed. Partially paralyzed. Yeah, she still does have some repercussions from that. Yeah, that she's like trying to work through. But she didn't seem like she had a heart. T- like she is such a warrior. She's that a girl. great personality. Yeah, she's like super upbeat and positive, and she's actually friends with Eric Legrand too, uh, who I've also had on there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, my favorite episodes that just, like, resonate with my story and, like, my demons that I fight and stuff like that was probably Kyle Turley, mm-hmm. offensive lineman for the Rams, the Saints, Chiefs for a little bit, first-round draft pick. Yep. That was memorable because I actually got to go to his house in California. Okay. Um, And, like, sit in his living room for two hours and just talk about football and, like, what he struggled with and what's helped him. Yeah. Uh, another guy, David Vibora, played for the Rams and the Seahawks. And he started this, like, adaptive training foundation where he helps uh, veterans who have had amputations or other injuries. And he helps them, like, work out because it's usually hard for them to work out and, like, kind of live a normal life. Yeah. Uh, and that was – that's how that he had a really hard time transitioning to life after football. was addicted to painkillers, had to go to rehab. And uh, he found this, and this was kind of, like, helped him in that transition. Hmm. So – yeah, those yeah, those are probably like my my top two. Just like that resonated with me the most. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to say like all of them. I get something out of all of them, and I genuinely enjoy talking to these people. So, yeah, you know, Kevin, like I, since I listened, been listening to your podcast, like I my my mindset is like I like you're. We start off with saying like, hey, you're gonna scare everybody about concussions. It's not that. Like once you start 
I've listened to so many of your podcasts. It's not about that. It's just about being smart. And I remember you were just telling me um, last year about Zeke Elliott, uh, that he was a running back for yeah. the Cowboys and saying that he – you said, like, that guy's going to play for 10 years because he never takes a direct hit. He always kind of – Yeah, you're shifty. Yeah. It doesn't pay to be quote-unquote tough or what our society t- says is tough. And I have a quote that I wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. you had – in, in in your list, you said, you know, what's your message to athletes today? Yeah. I'll just get into it just because it's fitting. Yep. Um, to me, toughness isn't physical at all. There's It has nothing to do with physicality. And I think, especially as a male, if you're not like six foot two, fifteen, and like ripped, then like you're not tough or something like that. <laughs> or in my case, like if I – wasn't running people over and making big hits and sacrificing my body, then I wasn't tough. Or if I didn't play through this injury or, you know, whatever, then that made me weak or a sissy or whatever. To me, I've learned over time that toughness has nothing to do with the physical. Toughness is more about doing the hard thing, doing what's difficult. So when I was 17 and looking back, the tough thing the toughest thing I could have done on that night when I took before I took four Advil was to go up to coach and say, Hey coach, like I got to sit this one out because my head is just like killing me or to tell Miss Barbara, Miss Barbara, like I, I really need your help. Like my head is hurts really bad. I don't think I should play, but I took the easy way out and kind of did like what everyone expects you to do and mm-hmm. just kind of like survive out there instead of going against the grain, like sticking up for yourself, especially in team sports. I'm not saying like, sacrificing for your teammates and so like there's a line right like there becomes a point of diminishing returns where you sacrificing or playing with an injury actually works against your team right like i'm playing out there at like 50 percent of my capacity because i can't hit i i don't want to run the ball i don't want to you know like i'm not being the player that i normally would be and that's hurting the team like someone else could go in there and be able to give 100 percent and be much more effective than me it's like to me it's almost selfish if you're playing hurt like you're being selfish. It's working against the team. Um, yeah, and ultimately you you missed the last six games or five games. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like h- had I made the decision to sit out, I could have played in college probably. <laughs> but instead, I was told I had to sit out for the rest of my life. I mean, it's not just football. Like snowboarding. Like I still ride my bike, but I'm like super careful. I always wear a helmet. I, I mean, I played slow pitch softball and I wore a helmet in the field just because like. It's just not worth it. Is that right? Yeah. And to me, it's more those are the more of the tough things. Like when you wear the helmet in the infield when you're playing slow pitch softball in an intramural league and people are always like well, like people t- are talking to you like what the hell are you doing with that helmet on? Like <laughs> yeah, well that's that's a tough decision to you're make. You're right. right? Exactly. That's tough. And like instead of, you know, putting all your identity in football and like not going out for like the school play, like going out for the school play as an as a athlete and a good athlete, that's tough. Right, because like everyone expects you to like be in the weight room or whatever, like you know, like that's a really tough thing to go against the grain and do what people don't expect you to do. So like those are two things I wish that I had done. Like I wish I like joined the play. I love singing, I love dancing, and like stuff like that. (laughs) And I would have loved to be in the play. I was so wrapped up in this like tough guy mentality. Like oh no, like I'm not gonna smile in my school picture. I'm not gonna go out for the school play. Like because I'm too freaking tough to do it. Um, But looking back, all those things, that's what's tough. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I have a quote from one of my guests. Episode 54, 
um, Bill Anthes. Mm-hmm. He owns the gym uh, in Morristown, Crossway Morristown. Okay. Uh, and he's a he's a Green Beret. Is he really in the army? Yeah. And he had this quote that really resonated with me. It says, "When we strip away the armor, the muscle, the ego, the defenses are left exposed. We do not always love what we see, and that is okay." The toughness piece is deciding to engage, committing to the first step towards improving, and taking it aggressively. This is a decision that you can make because you always have a choice no matter what. And the reason why, I mean, I got chills just like reading it because the reason why I really like that is because the muscles and all that stuff and running people over, like that's all up front. Like that is all, ex, you know, external. And, like, you're looking for external gratitude to, like, boost your ego and to, like, you're letting other people dictate whether you're tough or not Mm. when you put it that way. When it's all, you know, externally focused. But when you keep it inside and when you keep toughness as just the decision to engage, which as a for a football player is just signing up for the football team and like going to practice every day. Yeah. Like that's a commitment and that's a difficult commitment because you're taking time away from going to the beach with your family, uh, hanging out with your friends, going to that party, you know, tonight or whatever. Like you're making sacrifices that are tough mm-hmm. and not only making that engagement, but when you're there going a hundred percent, like anyone could go for, through the freaking motions. And when you're hurt and playing hurt, you're pretty much going through the motions just to, like, survive. Right. Right? So, yep. to me, that's not tough. Mm. Toughness is taking every rep, every handoff, every snap, every school test, every anything, and doing it to the best of your ability and, and being completely focused and immersed in that. That's tough because that's not everyone can do that. And the great, best part about it is that you're in control of that. So you decide whether you're being tough or not. So if you're deciding that you're going to, you know, maybe not study for this quiz or maybe you're not going to, you're going to take this rep off, you know, in the weight room or you're going to, I don't know, take a playoff in the game. Like you decided not to be tough on that play. (laughs) Whereas if you went hard, you made that decision to engage and to engage aggressively, you made the decision to be tough and no one can take that away from you. So that's... That, that's the message that I want at young athletes to get, to know that you're not tough by just throwing weight around the weight room and hitting people. And like, it doesn't make you tough. The toughness part is like internal and the decisions that you make on a daily basis. Yeah. And in your podcast, the last thing you always ask people is what's your definition of toughness. Right. And, uh, you know, it's never the running over. It's no. always, uh, uh, you know, like what you, it's the journey. Yeah. It's the journey. It's making those tough decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, like it would have been much tougher for you to go to Miss Barba or go to, you know, the coaches or whatnot. Um, and so Kevin, there's, there's kids listening to this right now and, and parents too, you know, and your story is not about what I, what I love about it. It's really not about concussions. It's just about, you know, um, it's about a mindset and changing a mindset. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's just a, you know, fantastic story. And you're such a great guy. And you've helped a lot of guys. Like last year, there was a kid from uh, Randolph, Carlo Zero. Yeah. Who uh, love Carlo. He's an awesome kid. He was an unbelievable player. I couldn't wait for his senior year because he played so tough. 
and he would run kids over, but it yeah. ultimately it caught up with him, and he got a really bad concussion. And uh, his senior year, he just uh, he was never to get back, back able on, on the team on the field. Yeah, I know that hurt him too. Like yeah. it's tough. I'm sure it still eats at him. I know, I know. But I felt like it was so smart of him, and I felt I had so much respect for him. The fact that he, you know, did not come back. He wasn't ready. Yet. Yeah, he knew it. And and I, I had more interaction with Carlo just because of where I used to work and, yep. and stuff like that. And I had this conversation with him. I told him, like, I told him that he, the toughest decision that he made was by not playing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what defined his toughness. Like, I had this exact conversation with him. And I didn't want to influence him one way or the other. But I'm like, when people are questioning whether you're lying or whether you're not, like, you know you want to play football. Like, right. who the hell Especially doesn't want to be kid. out there? Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares what other people say? Like, you got to do what's right for you. And, you know, exactly like what I would tell my 17-year-old self is like play, play the long game and like get the hell out of bounds sometimes. You know, like instead of trying to run someone over and like being the freaking hard ass that's trying to get like an extra inch on the field, like on the 40-yard line, you know, like <laughs> just step out of bounds. Like you're going to save yourself like in the long run, multiple hits and injuries and stuff like that, like – just drop the ego. Like it's <laughs> that's probably what I would say to myself. Yeah. Well, hey Kevin, I mean, unbelievable story. Thanks so much. It's a great message. If people want to like tune into uh to Heads and Tails, like what's the best way to to yeah, follow so you? Yeah, so I got my website just headsandtails.org. Heads as in multiple heads, the letter N and then tails spelled T A L E S like you're telling a story. Yep. Uh same thing on Instagram, Heads and Tails. That's pretty much where I reside. Um, but George, I wanted to thank you for doing what you do and promoting these great stories. And like, it's a good environment to talk about high school football and to promote like all the amazing things that football and sports have to offer. And I also appreciate you, you know, not even really knowing me, like kind of taking me under your wing and just like being an awesome friend. And (laughs) you're like an amazing guy. And I tell everyone that I ever come across like how, much I think of you. Um, so I just appreciate, you know, everything that you do and ditto bro for, ditto, for you being a friend. So same, same thing, man. So, uh, you know, I could gush, I could go on gushing as well, man. You've done a phenomenal job for, for yourself and for the community and what you're doing, man. It's freaking awesome. And, uh, I, 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 I love that you say that cause you're like the coolest guy. I know, man, you got the cool haircut, you know, and I, and like I was laughing. I'm like, they, I can't believe somebody, you know, that it's tougher for you to wear that helmet. No one's knowing. I'm, I'm looking at you. You know, you got muscles bulging out. You got the scar on your head. Like, you know, no one's going to tell you anything, you know. <laughs> I know, but, yeah, even to this day, I still have those thoughts sometimes creep in. I'm just trying to do a better job pushing them out. But. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, George.